talk to you a little bit uh, this week and the next coming weeks about uh, the, the Christmas presents. Because I don't know about you, you guys have, you, you've known it, I've confessed it before, um, I love gifts. Anybody else just love gifts? Come on, it's Sunday, we can be real. Anybody else? I know, Pastor Adam just said it's better to give than to receive, but the scripture didn't say that it's wrong to receive. It's just better to give. And so therefore, I love giving, but I'm also okay with receiving. But if, if my faith just kind of stopped at, 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 at the intersection of Christmas just being about presents, gifts, I've missed the whole thing. And so I want to talk to you today because we've been singing about God and we've been singing about Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. I want to talk about the Christmas presence, the, the presence of God, God being with us, particularly in the season. If it's one thing that I love about Christmas is that people who maybe normally don't give a minute or two to think about the goodness of God, seems like their hearts kind of open up around this season. Come on. People that are notoriously stingy uh, will give in the kettleball of the Salvation Army in the mall. Come on. You'll, you'll see that heart just start to grow and, and to pump. And, you know, the Grinch, I think he said it something like this, is that, that what if Christmas didn't come from a store? What if it represented something just a little more? And, and, and so there's this idea that at Christmas season, there's an openness. There's, there's an understanding that, that there's something wonderful that is happening. People call it the Christmas spirit. And, and, and I love that because I'm really trying to set my eyes and my gaze on Jesus this holiday season. I will not lie. I will get excited if there's gifts under the, the tree. I'll, I'll, it'll just happen. But here's what I really want this season for me and for you. I want us to be acutely aware of God's presence in our lives every day, moment by moment, in the big things and in the little things. I want to just acknowledge his lordship in our lives as a church, but also individually, and allow him the space and the place this holiday season that'll draw us in closer. Amen? Is everybody okay with drawing in closer this holiday season? Come on. I, and so let's begin by just praying this morning. Father, Lord, I just want to acknowledge your goodness in this place. Father, I want to acknowledge you for how awesome you have been to us. And Lord, as we have stepped into the Christmas season, Lord, this time, this year, Lord, may we just set our eyes afresh on you. Lord, I understand that, that this season comes with mixed emotions. For some, it may be tough. For some, it might be exciting. But Lord, this year, wherever we find ourselves in, may we have the strength May we have the boldness and the courage to set our, our eyes and our gaze on you and on you alone. For this I know, that Lord, when you are with us, all things are possible. And we love you and we thank you and we ask you for your help as we dive into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so, you know, as we were singing, I was just particularly aware of some of the things that occurs in my life when the presence of God is, is here with us. And one of the things is, and, and, and maybe, you can, maybe you can relate to this, but here's this weird thing that happens. You know, sometimes preachers preach, and then you see people actually activating the Word of God, and what you said would happen happens in their life. It's really amazing, right? It's, re it's really cool. And, and one of the things is, is that we've been told that the more time that we spend in the presence of God, the more hope that we'll have. 
I don't know about you, but we're living in a time where hope is desperately needed. We're living in a season and a time where we need something to look forward to, where we need something to get us through maybe today, maybe a season, maybe a year. We need some hope. And I don't know about you, but I am okay with a double dose of hope, right? And so hope, I don't know if you know this, but, but hope's got a really interesting definition. And I like this definition. I found it online, and it says hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on the expectation, look at this, of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances of one's life or the world at large. There's not really much room right there for wiggling, is there? It's very clear what hope is about. Hope is an expectation that something better is coming. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you're living in the fullness of God right now, and it doesn't, doesn't seem like it get any better than it's already flowing right now. But the good news is, is that it can get better. Because with God on our side, we go from what the Bible says, from glory to glory. And then from that glory to a new glory. And guess what? When you're in that glory, there's even more glory, right? And then you're walking in this glory, and you're like, God, this is so good. This is so awesome. And he goes, watch this. I got more for you. And so we have this expectation. We're not a people that don't have hope, that don't have an expectation. Hope and faith are very similar, my friends. And, 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 and so we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of hope. And so we can go into the Word of God. Look at this in Romans 5, verse 5. I love this. Now, hope does not disappoint. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I, I've succumbed to disappointment. Things maybe didn't turn out the way that you thought they would have turned out for you right? This, this happens. I, I've been seeing this. I've got a lot of friends, uh, you know, in the church and outside of the church, and one thing has kind of been happening lately. It's kind of weird. All of my friends are turning 40. Some, some of them are whiter than I am. I legit thought yesterday, I was looking in the mirror, and this little facial here, and I had a debate with myself. Should I shave it to hide the white? Or, or should I grab, um, uh, what is that for men, just for men, just for men, and do it? And I was going to do it, but I knew that somebody was going to call me out on it. I also am fully aware that tomorrow the white's just going to come in behind it. But you see, we're turning 40, and with turning 40, something weird happens. You begin to be acutely aware of the fact that you're, you're just getting a little older. And as you look ahead, you realize that on average, let's just say, and this is not for me, I'm just saying up there, the average is like, you know, 80 years is a good life, right? 100 is awesome. 109 would be cool. 120 would be amazing, as Pastor Mike's believing for. That's, that's fantastic. But as I get a little bit older, I look back and I go, wow, that's, I've, I've been on this earth for 40 years, you know? And I start, I start looking at my life, and some of my friends have had a, a more difficult time because I don't know about them, but I, I have hope. See, my hope is that, that, that no matter how awesome of a life I have lived, and let me just, I don't want to be braggadocious, but I've lived a good life. Not without its trials, not without its troubles, not without its ups and downs, but overall, I have lived a really good life. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I am a child of God. Come on. My sins have been forgiven. Come on. My past has been wiped away. I've been redeemed. There's been times where I've been healed. I've been encouraged. Come on. I've walked in the boldness and the fullness of God, and so I've lived a good life, not to any account of myself. Listen, I, I know the kind of life I put together for myself. 
I did that for 16 years before I met Jesus, and I, I got to tell in the 16 years before Jesus, I messed things up pretty good. Anybody else? I did a pretty awesome job at messing up every relationship I had. Come on. I did a pretty good job of upsetting my parents on the daily. Come on. Uh, you know, my, my dad's like, you know, he's like talking about white in the beard. My dad's like full on. Like, he, you know, he's there. And, and I can't help but think that perhaps maybe just I was the reason. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing. I have hope. But my friends, you know, they're, 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 some of them are struggling. They're struggling hard. Because in their mind, half their life is gone, and they're taking a look at their life going, going what, what have I done? What, what am I? What have I accomplished? And for some of them, it's not what they thought they would have accomplished. And maybe you're in that boat. Maybe you're taking a look at your life. Maybe you're 40. Maybe you're younger. Maybe you're a little bit older. Maybe you're way older. I don't know where you're at. That's okay. But here's the thing is maybe you're taking a look at your life and maybe discouragement or discontentment wants to settle in on your life because you're not exactly where you're supposed to be in your mind. Come on, somebody. See, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in the processes of God. I am a big believer that no matter what kind of season I find myself in, whether I have a feeling, and here's where we go wrong, is oftentimes feelings will try to lead us to directions. And when we're moved and when we have our instruction and our directions from our feelings, whoo do we ever just go off course, right? The Bible says we're not supposed to live by how we feel. Come on. We're to live by faith. We're not even to live by how we see. I mean, just think about that. What do you mean I'm not supposed to live by how I see? Don't you know, Lord, there's a set of stairs here? And if I don't see those stairs, what's going to happen? It's going to be a real show, <laughs> I'm going to roll, and I'm going to fall, and I'm going to hurt myself. And, 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 but, but the Bible says don't live by sight. It's not really talking about the, the everyday just making sure that you're watching where you're walking. It's talking about the idea of don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you hear. Don't be moved by the fact that maybe things aren't working out according to your plan. Because at the end of the day, my friend, God is in control. And I, I would dare say this, you are right where God needs you to be. And perhaps right now in this season that you find yourself in, you can latch on to the hope that comes with his presence. Because one of the biggest presents that God ever gave us was his presence. Come on. The whole story of Christmas is based on the fact that you and I, in our selfishness, put a wedge between us and our Savior. And Christmas time is a reminder that God loved us enough that he exercised the plan to save us back to himself, to create a bridge, a way where we can now communicate, communicate with God, where we can have relations with God. And I don't know about you, but I was raised in a, in a mode, in a mindset of maybe if I'm just good enough, Maybe if I just talk good enough and act good enough, and maybe if I can just win my way into heaven, that'll be that. And along came a brother in the Lord, and he said, listen, my friend, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. And he told me, frankly, and I did not like it, and really, still to this day, I don't like it because I want to believe in my self-righteousness. But here's the truth. He said, Brian, you on your best day still will fall way short of the glory of God. But here's the beautiful truth, my friend, is that God set a plan in motion, and the motion was Jesus. And when Jesus was born on that particular day, hope was restored to all of humanity. Now all of a sudden, it doesn't matter where we come from. Come on. 
Some of you need to hear this. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what people around you want to label you. It doesn't matter how some people even see you. Here's the truth of the matter is that hope has been restored. The way to Jesus has been restored. The fact that we can now commune with him and just in a few moments we're going to take part in communion together. And what a wonderful opportunity just to examine our lives for a minute and say, Lord, if there's anything that is blocking this relationship, Lord, I just want to confess, I want to repent, and I want a fresh start. And I'm doing this in the memory of the fact that the plan was put in place to save me. And so hope is a beautiful thing. It's this wonderful expectation that something great is coming your way. Right? Some people wake up every morning, and they're the opposite of hope. For some reason, they're already, they, they wake up, the alarm goes off, and they look outside, they're like, cold, rain, traffic, Monday, ran out of coffee, got to go to a job I hate, kids are going bananas, right? And they look at the day, and they don't have much hope for the day. It's like they're prophesying disaster over their days. They wake up, and they start to glare, well, today's going to be a crappy day. Well, guess what? I'm sorry if I said that in church. But if that's your attitude, then no matter how much good happens around you, you're choosing to look at the... Right? But with hope, when we find ourselves in desperate situations, hope is the strength. Hope is the desire. And not only the desire, but, but, but the force that moves us into taking action for a better today and a better tomorrow. Faith is what moves us. Hope is like the, the gas in the engine that gets us going, believing God for something greater. And so as I was thinking about the Christmas story, I, 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 I couldn't help but think, I'm, I'm just going to say it, a good little Catholic boy raised Catholic, I loved it, I was a good Catholic, as some would say. I didn't just attend church on Easter and, sun, and, and, and Christmas, I went every Sunday. I loved it. I loved church when I was a kid growing up. I was one of the weird ones that, that actually didn't mind going to church, right? Stand up, kneel, sit down, man, I was first one up, first one down, I knew it. I, I loved it. <laughs> It, it was so amazing. I just couldn't help myself. And I started thinking about the Christmas story, and I started thinking about Mary. And I was thinking about Mary, and I was thinking about what was her life like? You ever just pause and think about the Christmas story? You ever just think about how strange and how weird it all must have been at that time? Like, we read it as a narrative, like it happened to someone else. Like, oh, that's cool. But I want to read a scripture, and I'm going to ask you a couple pointed questions this morning. It's found in Luke 1. And it starts like this in verse 26. It says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. Now the virgin's name was Mary. Here we go. Mary's in the story. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? 
And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who has called barren. For with God, look at this, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The angel departed from her. Now, Take a minute right now. Let your imagination just run a little bit wild. Put yourself in Mary's shoes, okay? Here you are. You're just chilling. You're in your room. It's late at night uh, when an angel out of nowhere appears, okay, and tells you that you're going to be pregnant. Now, this is church, but this is going to be an unorthodox way of becoming pregnant. The usual way is not going to occur. I mean... If it's not strange enough that an angel appears in your room, just the news alone that the angel brings has got to get your head just spinning, right? If an angel appeared in, 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 uh, in your room and was like, hey, listen, um, you're, you're highly favored, um, God loves you, and he's chosen you, and I'm just going to leave a check here for a million dollars, you might get excited about that one. But if they shows up and the angel's there and says, by the way, um, you are highly favored. God has chosen you to bear the Son of God, the Savior of all humanity. What kind of emotions are going through your mind right now? I'm not a lady, and so this is kind of different for me to be preaching. Um, you know, but, but, but I know that there are a lot of ladies who desire to have children, and it's something that they look forward to, and when they get the good news, it's exciting, and, and all that other kind of stuff, but I'm thinking to myself, what was going on here? First, I would have about 75 questions, because that's the type of guy that I am. You tell me what's going on, I'm going to ask you every single question that I could think of, so I get a better understanding of what's actually transpiring. So I would start with this one. First thing I would start with is, Lord... Why me? Like, God, you know me. Right? God, you know me. You know me before coffee in the morning. You know me when people cut me off in my truck and I'm by myself. You know me when things don't go according to my plan and I've got to give a little bit. So I got I, I to, gotta, this word that I have a hard time saying sometimes, I, I have to compromise. Not on my faith, but i got to meet someone halfway when I feel like my way is the way. Uh, you know me, Lord. Why me? Lord, I can think of a million people that would be better suited for this. And yet, if you look at the story, Mary never asked these kinds of questions. The only thing that she asks is, Lord, how is this going to be possible? She just wants the details. Lord, I, I only know one way for a lady to fall pregnant. That's not happening. So how is it going to happen? That's the only thing that she questions about the situation. And all of a sudden, you can see that hope is beginning to build up in Mary. Think about the possibilities. Think about how she, that night she must have felt after the angel departed. I'm going to fall pregnant? I, 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 I'm going to bear the, 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 the child that is going to save all of humanity. I'm not sure if the weight of that responsibility fully fell upon her. I'm not sure if she understood some of the troubles and the trials that she might go through. Come on, we're talking about in a time when a lady would fall pregnant outside of marriage. That was bad news. It's not good. 
Right? We're talking about a time where there were socially structures in place that, that, that should have been followed, and when you didn't follow those, there were consequences. And, and, and you got to think about like, the, maybe a little bit of fear, trepidation about the what-ifs, but also the excitement and the hope of, wow, God has chosen me to take part in his plan. And guess what, my friends? Today, i got to say this out loud. God has chosen you in this time to be a part of his plan. In this season, in this, in this time when we're focusing on Jesus, the hope that he has is that you'll realize that you're a part of the plan. That, that the life that he's given you, the influence that he's lent to you, the fact that you have access to certain people that nobody else would ever have access to, the Lord has sent you there as a mission and on a mandate to bring hope to the hopeless. And so here we are, we find ourselves with Mary, and we got to say this, to say this is hard to believe would be an understatement, but Mary does not question God's fulfillment of his promises. She's only asking how. And here's what I found, is that when the God asks you of something, instead of going through all the rigmarole of, why me, oh, there's a thousand other better people, what if we just began to answer the way that Mary did, with hope in our hearts, and just say, Lord, Okay, how? What if we just pause for a moment in that, that holy time with God and said, Lord, what are my next steps? What are you calling me to? What are you calling me from? And what are you bringing me through, Lord? And all of a sudden, we begin to allow the hope of the plan to begin to build up in our lives. Instead of getting caught up in all these questions, her answer is, okay, let's go to work. In this moment, Mary shows us what it means to live in hope. And that is, is that living in hope is realizing that nothing is impossible with God. This is the basis of what hope is. These are the legs of which hope stand on, is the fact that nothing is impossible with God. And so here's what I've learned as a believer. Here's, here's what I've learned is that no matter what excuse I try to come up with, it will always be answered with, yes, but nothing is impossible with me. But Lord, what, how, how am I going to do this? Nothing is impossible with me. But Lord, I'm just not qualified. But nothing is impossible with me. But Lord, listen, my past, man, Lord, my past, that's pretty dark. Nothing is impossible with him. Every area of weakness that you think you have is met and topped over with his strengths. And this is what I began to found. The more that I find myself in his presence, the more hope about the now, about the future, about where we're going as a church, about where we're going as a family, where we're heading, begins to build up begins to get me excited about the things of God. Living in hope, Mary believed that God had her best interests at heart and pursued the sign that he gave here. Look, look at this. Hope will always lead to action. That's what I love about hope, is that hope always leads us to do something. You might not be able to do everything, but you might be able to do something. And hope is the driving force behind that. Number two, hope is expecting and I've heard this a lot lately because there was a friend in the ministry lately who passed away and one of his life motos was, the best is yet to come. And this is someone who could have, said, could have stood up there and said, 
you know, without exaggerating, we have experienced a lot of great things. But his confession was always this. As good as it's been, the best is yet to come. And I love that because it didn't give him or his church or the people that were following him at that moment the opportunity to settle into what has been. This is what's dangerous as a believer is we get to a certain point where we just feel like we've arrived and we can coast. But we were never meant to coast. We were never meant to stand still. We were never meant to retreat. The kingdom of God has been and always will be about advancing and taking ground for the glory of God. That's what it has been and will always be about. And so we're in a place right now where we can stand firm on the belief that the best is yet to come. I don't know about you, but maybe some of you, i got to get a little bit excited about that. Maybe you've been facing some trials. You're like, oh, yeah, that's easy to say because the year that I've had has been pretty rough. Well, i got news for you. The best is yet to come. <laughs> wow. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Brian, I have had the best year I have ever had in my life. And I celebrate and I rejoice with you. But i got news for you. The best is yet to come. And I don't know about you, but that gets me excited because I don't have to be stale. I, I, I don't have to be living off of yesterday's miracles when the best is yet to come. I'm thankful for them. I rejoice in them, but I don't stay there. I continue pushing and pursuing the presence of God because I know in his presence there is hope. And I know that hope will get me through any circumstance and any situation and any mountain that I need to climb and any valley that is dry that I find myself in. Hope will always be the thing that I hold on to. Whether I'm flying high or whether I'm having an off day, here's my hope, is that, Lord, the best is yet to come. And if we don't believe that, then what are we doing? Right? The enemy would try to convince you that the best has already occurred. That from here on out, it's just downhill, right? And some people, you know, we're talking about age. Some people, they're, they're, they're so nice and so mean all at the same time. They'll look at you, you turn 40, and I know they're just trying to joke, and they'll say things like, well, I guess it's all downhill from here, right? <laughs> yeah, remind me not to uh, invite you to my birthday party next year. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Come on, right? That's when you just smile and you go, you can believe that, but not me. Because <laughs> I'm believing the best is yet to come. I'm believing there's still more. And every time I get into God's presence, I experience just a little bit more than I did before. And I go, Lord, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry for more. Get a little taste. You ever, you ever been to, uh, I remember this one time my wife and I, we went to Montreal. We were celebrating our anniversary. I proposed to her in Montreal. And so Montreal's got a, a, a nice place in our hearts. And we went to this place in uh, Little Italy. Never heard of it before. It was this tiny, like we walked in and we thought we kind of walked into a closet of another restaurant. It was that small. And they had a little board there that said special. It was Valentine's special. And, and they made heart-shaped pasta. And I was like, well, it doesn't get any more romantic than heart-shaped pasta. And so we're having this pasta. And I remember they, they brought out the heart-shaped pasta and it had an Alfredo sauce on it. And I took a bite and I looked at my wife with these eyes that said, I didn't know if I could love anything more than I love you, but this Alfredo sauce. And she looked right back at me, and we did what any normal couple would do. We tried slurping up the Alfredo before the other person could do it. 
And I remember that time I tasted for the first time. Something came alive. It's like, whoa, something changed. And that's just like God's presence. Every time you get into his presence, you get a little taster and you want a little more. It came to the fact where the, the, the appetizer was part of the deal. And we asked kindly, can we have another round of these appetizers? Because it was just that good. You see, when you taste something that's good, what, what happens? You want a little more. You want a little bit more. You want some of that good stuff. And that's what hope is. You get a taste of hope and you realize what it does in your life. Right? You realize the, 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 the fact that there's something to stand on, something to believe in, that the, that the best is yet to come, and that's my stance, and that's my, that's my mode, that's my mindset. And when that's my mindset, guess what happens? The best is yet to come. And it only gets better and better and better. Even through the trials and the tribulations, my confession is this, the best is yet to come. I'm coming out of this stronger. I'm coming out of this wiser. Come on. I'm coming out this. Maybe I'll have a couple scars, but guess what? I like scars because when we get together with all the guys, we always go into the scars story. I like them because they remind me of the battles that I've been in. You know, people say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. There's a song, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think that was Kelly Clarkson. I think she used to sing that. I'm about 14 keys off, a couple bars behind, right? But there's truth to that. So I want to stand here and declare to you, church family, as good as it has been, the best is yet to come. Wow. Look at this. Mary takes a look at the call of God upon her life. And although it could have been scary and although there was a lot of unknowns, the only question she asked was how. And after it explained to her, there's this beautiful part of, part of Scripture, and it's called Mary's Song. And if you read it, you could believe that maybe it perhaps is blind optimism, but if you really dig into it, you see that it's a song of hope. And it goes like this. Luke 1, 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. She was hurrying and scurrying to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hope will do weird things to people around you, my friends. Hope is contagious. Hope spreads over your life onto the lives of those around you, and it begins to draw people into the presence of God. Here it is. Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, look at this. This is Mary's response. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, as all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. Come on. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. 
And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. And here's what I say to you today, that there is a difference between having hope and having a wish. Right? I hear people say this all the time. I, 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 I used to work in a, in a secular place, and, and I remember people, there was one guy that came in all the time, and he goes, hey, Brian, guess what? The Lotto Max is at $49 million. I was like, okay, cool. He's like, yeah, I'm going to win it. I was like, great, did you buy a ticket? He goes, no. And then like three weeks later, hey, Brian, guess what? The Lotto Max is at $60 million, right? I was like, cool, did you buy a ticket? He goes, no. See, he had a wish. Come on. He had a wish of being rich. But he never put any action into it. See, the difference between a wish and hope is that hope always comes with action. Hope is always moved to do something, right? You can't just stand up here and go, I hope for a better world. And then you leave church and you're throwing out your McDonald's wrappers outside. Your actions are not lining up with your hope, right? I mean, this applies in every area of life. You want something to change, guess what? You need to instigate it. You can't just sit here going, I hope something will change. I don't know. I, I don't know who I should pick on right now, but I like you. It's Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe I, I've, I've seen this. Okay, I'll just go here. I'm going to go here. Please forgive me. If you're single and you say, I hope for a mate, but you hide in your room except to come to church, and you arrive at church at 10.05 because you don't want to say hi to anybody, and you leave right about now. So anyone who's thinking about now leaving, we know who you are now. I'm exposing you. And you leave, and you go back home, and, but you're at home, and, Lord, I hope, for, I hope for a husband. I hope for a wife. Lord, make them good looking. Let them smell good. You know, if they're rich, that's okay too, Lord. You've got to present your, your wants and your desires, and you're going off there, but you ain't doing a thing about it. Right? That's not hope. That's a wish. And maybe one day someone will grant your wish with Make-A-Wish Foundation and they'll find you a mate. <laughs> maybe. We don't know. But here's the thing that I know. If you're looking for a mate, guess what? You got to take care of yourself. You got to put yourself out there. Get to events where other singles are at. Make it happen, brother. Make it happen, sister. You show up looking good. You show up smelling good. You look like you presented yourself. That's hope in action. You want a, you want a mate? Get out there. Come on. This applies to every area of your life. You want the healing? You pursue it. With everything inside of you, you don't give a rip about what anybody says. I remember when I got saved, I was so radical about Jesus. We were in a particular church in the UK, and they had very, very specific altar calls. Today, we're calling up, um, you know, pregnant ladies. Guess who was at the front first? I knew one day I was going to deal with a pregnant lady. Lord, I'll take some of that grace. I'll take whatever. Listen. I wanted everything Jesus had to offer, and I didn't care if I looked like a fool getting it. Didn't matter. As Adam would say, who cares? If you want to get something that you don't have right now, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. 
Because everything that you have done up to this point has gotten to you where you, what, what you have and where you're at in life. But if you want more, you can't just sit and wish, my friends. You got to put some legs. You got to start believing that the best is yet to come. You got to start confessing that. You got to start believing that. You got to get in faith about that. You got to seek the Lord about that issue. You got to seek Him in your quiet time. Don't just let this be the place where you get fed. Listen, if, if the only time that I ate physically was on Sundays, I don't know if I could cope for the rest of the week. We can't do that spiritually. We got to get before the Lord just as Mary was before the Lord before the angel appeared to her. She had found favor in God's eyes for a reason. She was seeking him. Number three. Matthew, you can do your thing. Hope is only found in Jesus. You just, you can't be in the presence of Jesus and not be filled with hope. If you take a look in your Bible, I challenge you, this this week, just read about Jesus. And people that had had no hope, when they heard of this Jesus, some of them blind, some of them paralyzed, some of them crippled, some of them were the scorn of society. But when they heard the name of Jesus, and that just Jesus was healing and touching people in ways that had never occurred before, all of a sudden they started crying out with hope, Jesus! Jesus, and even though people would tell them to be quiet, simmer down, you're disrupting the flow, they would cry out all the louder, Jesus. Because something about the name of Jesus gave them hope. And in this Christmas season, my prayer, the prayer that has gone into this message, the the prayer that I've released before this message, and even the prayer that I continue to praise that this Christmas season, wherever you are at in life, that as we meet with Jesus, your hope would continue to increase. And as it increases, as you begin to speak faith and as you begin to activate on your hope, what begins to transpire is change. And for some people, it comes instantly. And for others, it may come as a process. And it may come a little bit slower than what you are comfortable with. But here's the truth of the matter is if you stick with Jesus, it works out. If you stay in his presence, everything that you have need of is right there for you. His peace, his joy, his hope, his love, the grace, the mercy. Come on. The wisdom, the insight that we need to live on this earth, it is found in Jesus. First Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. The hope that we have is not a dead hope. It's not a dead end hope. It's a living hope, and it is a person, and it is the person of Jesus Christ. And as we meet with him, we can't help ourselves but come out of that meeting with hope. We can't help ourselves but begin to believe that the best is yet to come, that nothing is impossible with God, and that Jesus is and always will be the hope that we need for this world. Maybe you're like, well, I don't need any more hope. Well, then stop being selfish and start hoping for someone else. Start believing for somebody's salvation. Start believing for someone's miracles and start believing that that God would work through you outside of the walls of this church. I was so encouraged, Pastor Mike came in and was sharing a story about how God opened a door for him in just a normal transaction at the store. 
And it was exciting. It's like, yeah, it's working in our pastors, it's working in our people. This is what it's about. As I go out, when I go out, I have a hope. I have a hope that someone's gonna make eye contact with me. You don't even know what you're in for. I had a conversation yesterday, we're out and about doing our thing. This lady at Hallmark who's there and we start talking and we're talking and talking. And, you know, we're talking, she's looking for his particular, um, you know, decoration and none of the stores have it. And the lady's on the phone trying to call all the other stores and I start chit-chatting with her and by the end of it, a man like, she's like, I don't get out, I don't, I'm so scared of COVID and all this other kind of stuff. I said, well, ma'am, listen, here's the truth of the matter. This is a wonderful time to be out. It's Christmas and it reminds us that there's hope for the world. She kind of looked at me like, it's like, yeah, beyond the trees. And I love trees. We've got 14 of them. I love lights. My wife asked me to put up more lights yesterday. And I was like, more lights? I ain't got no more plugs. I have no more extension cords. Like, this is a full detail orientation here. Right? As we get into it, we begin to realize, listen, in the same way that you've experienced hope through Jesus, the plan was always to be that that hope would be transferred to people around you. That as they look at your life and as they see the hope and the faith and not the negativity, it's easy to be negative. It's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to get good at it too, right? Anything anybody ever says, you just contradict it and you're negative. It's easy to be negative. But there's a difference if you're living in hope because now you're bringing something to the table. Now you're bringing a different opinion. Now you're bringing a different spirit. And what if during this season, we just allowed the presence of God to permeate our life to the point where we were beacons of hope? Where all of a sudden, just through one word, one encouragement, one holding of the door open for someone, just one maybe go all out, maybe just do something fun and radical and wild if someone's in line at you at the store or Timmy's or wherever it is, just grab your debit card and just tap it before they can. Just smile at them. Just, I want you to know God loves you. Have a great Christmas. You think that would rock someone's world? Wow. Hope begins with being reunited with God. And that's what Christmas is all about. Being united with God. Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to ask you right now just to stand to your feet. I'd like to pray for you. And my prayer is this, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you give my friends the faith to believe that nothing is impossible. And Lord, that you would fill them with the courage to face what's before them today. Even though they may not understand how it will all come together, our hope and our faith is that in the end, it all works out for our good. Because we love you and because we're called according to your plan and purpose. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a hope as an anchor of our souls. You are the promise maker and the promise keeper. Help us to remember that today and every day moving forward. I also thank you, Lord, that you paid a debt that we can never pay ourselves. That you are the reason that we can have hope in all circumstances, in all situations. Help us to remember the same power that lives in you, Lord, lives in us. You overcame the worst that the world had to offer. And with you, Father, we can do the same. I thank you, Lord, for a good, strong Christmas season that is filled with hope. Hope that nothing is impossible. 
Hope, Lord God, that the best is yet to come. And hope in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You can be seated. If you're here for the first time and you're experiencing this and wondering, what does this all mean? Here's the truth of the matter. We talked about this earlier, that on our best day, we would still miss the mark that God set out for us to meet. But the beautiful thing is that someone stepped in and did what we can never do and repay our debts. Jesus came to this earth, born in a manger, born to the Virgin Mary, with a plan and a purpose to redeem and to restore all of humanity. And 33 years later, he would find himself upon a cross completely innocent of any wrongdoing other than touching and healing and delivering and saving. And although it looked horrendous and horrible, it was all part of the plan that at his death and resurrection three days later and his, his ascension into heaven, that he would take care once and for all the hopelessness of humanity. And he did so with you and with me in mind. And the beautiful thing about this God that we serve is that if you were the only person on earth, he still would have sent his son Jesus because he loves you that much. And so today, maybe you come with a history, maybe you come with a past, maybe you come with, with, with problems. Today, I encourage you, I admonish you, and I beg you, today, would you trade that in for the hope and the joy and the peace and salvation? Would you trade that in this holiday season once and for all? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you that the Bible says creating you as a new creation? That all the old things have passed away and everything has become new. Would you do that today? You had the opportunity. Well, here's the good thing. The opportunity is here and the opportunity is now. And we don't need to try to work for it or aspire for it or maybe wish for it. Here's the beauty of it. The Bible says that all we need to do is believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he is our Savior. And so we formulated that just down to a very simple prayer. You know, and there's all sorts of different prayers, but this prayer, if you say it and you mean it, the power is in the meaning. And so we like to say this together each and every week. I love saying this every week. It reminds me. And so this is you here today. You need a touch. You need a change. You need to be saved by Jesus. If you say this prayer and mean it in your heart, the Bible says you've come to a place of being a new creation. So let's say this together. Let's say, Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent, and I'm purposing to change the way that I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, help me to learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare that you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me today. In Jesus' name, amen.